Hi there everyone, welcome to Grasping Joy. I'm your host Kelvin John Bull and this is a place where we can discover together how to live out joy in the modern and everyday world. Because as we may know it already that life is full of doubt and certainty, faith and questioning, love and hate. And I want us to discover how we can grasp joy to help us through it. So in today's episode we have Paul Watson talking about uh, nature and joy. And oh boy, it is, it is a good one. Uh, Paul's got great chat and oh yeah, he's got great stories and it's all fantastic. Uh, so get your thinking caps on, your notepads out, and be ready for whatever comes up. I'll chat to you soon. See ya. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, today I have got a wonderful, wonderful guest uh, called Paul. Hello, Paul. Hi there. Um, so... Paul Watson loves to climb mountains, goes hikes, does all this stuff. Uh, could you introduce yourself so we know who's behind this voice, behind the behind the mic? Thanks, Calvin. Well, I'm Paul, and um, I've been on this fair planet for 54 years. And 32 years and 15 days ago, I kissed my wife for the first time and come up for her 30th anniversary married. and. Awesome. It's been a great journey, and we do a lot of stuff. I've got two great girls, awesome, two very different girls, but the great Abby is married to Jordan, and uh, Hannah is, her partner is Julian, and uh, just two great girls. Which, yeah, just, it's wonderful. Great family. I'm, I'm a minister Amazing. in the north side of Glasgow in Bishopbriggs, and it's just great to be back in Scotland again, having lived overseas in different countries for a long time. Oh, that's great. That's that's a that's a whole another podcast episode talking about your stories and all the different countries. Um, to start off, we're gonna uh, have I'm asking everyone who comes on this time machine question. It just it breaks the ice. It gets us to know a wee bit more about you. So, if you were able to travel through time, either forward or backward, where would you go? Calvin, this is the most difficult question. I just so many places I wanted to go back to, man. <laughs> but anyway, I have chosen for the purpose of this interview, I have chosen, I'd love to go back to the Silk Road. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it was a road in between Europe and China, went right across Central Asia. And I know you want to ask me who I would go back in time with, but it would be with Marco <laughs> Polo. Yeah, yeah. So Marco Polo on the Silk Road and to just, Marco was just 17, came back to Venice when he was 41, so 24 years he was traveling all over Asia, oh, exploring yeah. that amazing sense in the 1300s of discovering the world for the first time and just what an amazing, amazing world it was and mm-hmm. all those first encounters, it would have just been yeah. mind-blowing. I would love to have gone back with him and yeah. be there for that. Would you want to? Do you want? Would you want to stay, or would you just come? No, back? I would not want to stay. Yeah. Uh, I love peanut butter. I love digestive <laughs> biscuits. Yeah. I love Santa and uh, yeah, yeah. so uh, this. I love. I've love. I love living today, but um, yeah. to be able to go back, yeah. yeah. But that was the most difficult question, Carvin. There's so many places I'd <laughs> want to go it back makes to. It, it's probably the most one you have to think about. Uh, uh, uh. Well, before we get into the questions. Um, I'm going to always start with the definition of joy because it can mean so many different things to so many different people. So this is at least what I call joy. Someone else could call this something completely different, but I call it joy. So it's a steadfast state of mind slash being where the heart and soul are rooted in contentment, assurance, and hope. 
Uh, joy is being present in the moment, but is not dictated by it like happiness is. Uh, in other words, joy is the key that allows people not to be chained down by their circumstance, but lets them live life to the fullest, even when it seems impossible. Okay, got the awesome. question. How old are you, Kevin? You just turned 19, right? Yesterday. Yeah, just 19. Yeah. And you've got this wisdom sorted out already. <laughs> so early in life, oh, amazing. I don't know. I'm just kind of figuring it out. <laughs> you've got to live into it, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, the questions. Um, we're going to start off with... Uh, figuring out like or hearing what your journey has been like uh, when learning more about yourself and nature so um it's a great question and i you know i did a lot of my serious climbing from kind of i guess age 16 onwards really and um mm. i mean it's not serious like rope climbing but just out in the hills i guess one of the big things is learning my limits um mm -hmm. i've learned a lot about my limits in the mountains in scotland because you you come across stuff that you just can't do you run out of energy or you just have to slow down so you really learn the limits of your physical fitness uh, limits in terms of danger um i've made some really stupid mistakes uh on the hills and um i've got really badly lost sometimes found myself in really really dodgy ice surfaces so yeah. really learn from your mistakes that the hills are really unforgiving so you've got to be really careful uh -huh. um so learning my limits, learning about dangers, learning from my respect, learning to respect the hills um, mm -hmm. and the importance of respecting what is there. You just can't make it into what, so it's not about me, it's about the mountain, you know. Mm -hmm. Also, the real sense of it being a gift. I mean, I think that's the big thing I've learned. One of the biggest things I've learned about being out in nature in the hills has been that you just cannot predict what that day is going to be like. So there is that sense in which you've got to learn to live with the unexpected. Yeah. And so that has been one of the greatest gifts to me. Every time you go up a mountain, you just do not know how it's going to be. Even though you've done it before umpteen times, mm -hmm. the weather's going to be different. You're feeling different. The undercurrent, the ground is different. So I think mm -hmm. all these things, I've just learned so much um, from them all about my limits, learning from my mistakes, respecting what is there, uh -huh. and the sheer giftedness of it all. Mm. That's great. I can just visualizing all, all those different stories. Uh, are there things we can learn about life through nature? I guess thinking back through all your stories that can help us be more joyful. Sure, Calvin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, a number of things really uh, uh, coming out of what I was just kind of saying. I think I think one of the things is a sense of view that it's not about it's not about me. You know, mm. um, when you go out in nature, you become part of something that is much much bigger. The right. great thing about lockdown, we had early lockdown in April and May, um, it's the Scottish countryside was going through the most amazing spring out in the mountains and yeah. nobody was there to see it uh -huh. and it was still happening. So I think that's the really great thing to learn in life that it's not all just about me and that we're part of something much bigger and I think that sense of discovering a bit joy is realising that you're part of something much bigger than you just yourself. I think the second thing is that comes on from that is that it's full of unexpected stuff that you can't control. So one of the great things about mountains, for example, is is climbing, climbing, and you sometimes you cannot see what's on the other side mm -hmm. just because of the way the mountain's designed, and you climb up, and suddenly, just before you, just as you get to the top, this most amazing view opens up. And I think a life's a lot like that sometimes. You've got to really work hard at something. You've got to keep sticking mm -hmm. at it. All you can do is focus on what's right in front of you. 
uh, in the mountains, you've got to be really careful. You don't drift your eyes all over the place. You've got yeah. to really pay attention to what is right in front of you. And for joy yeah. to come, that is just one of the big lessons in life, focus on what is right in front of you. Mm. And and it'll come, but sometimes it's hard work getting there. Yeah. And I just, just get the last thing I would, I would want to say, it's just slowing down to spot the details, because sometimes the big things in the mountains is not massive, beautiful, stunning views, because sometimes you don't get that. It's cloudy up there, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful. It's small details. It's beautiful spider webs, for example, in amongst yeah. the wet grass. It can be just snow crystals. So it's looking, going slow enough to notice what is in the small details of wow. life as well. Absolutely. I can I can remember, uh, I can't remember the mountain, but me and, me and my dad were... Uh, climbing up it and it was all cloudy it's all nothing but it was finding beauty and all the uh, blades of grass were just covered in ice and it's just this crazy kind of feature because once because we're just climbing up and once we saw it we can unsee it it's just yeah looking closer to home than you realize absolutely yeah absolutely Uh, have you found your experiences in nature a time of i guess a creative slash out-of-the-box thinking that's a great question, Calvin. You may not realize this, but a lot of the famous philosophers with Rousseau, Nietzsche, Thoreau, a lot of these uh-huh. guys did a lot uh-huh. of walking. And they yeah. discovered that walking was the best way to think because it keeps your body in motion and it kind of gets your brain onto a sort of an ambient rhythm. Mm-hmm. And so I've always found walking a really great, being out in nature being a really great way to clear your head. Mm-hmm. And particularly if you're climbing, it's a really good displacement. So if you're worried about stuff or you're concerned about stuff, you've got stuff mm-hmm. on your mind. If you're climbing a mountain, it's slightly tricky. You can't afford to think about all that stuff because you'd be putting yourself yeah. in danger, you know? So you've got to really focus on mm-hmm. what's in front of you. So I think I have found um, being out in the mountains has been actually just, because you're just seeing so much stuff you don't normally see during the rest mm-hmm. of the week, mm-hmm. it kind of files different bits of your brain and I don't necessarily yeah. come back with all these amazing ideas but I yeah, just yeah. know that I come back and my brain's been through so I've been in the gym it just comes back and it's just totally been worked yeah, yeah, out and yeah. just feel different so during lockdown early one of the year for example after a couple of months of lockdown hadn't been up in the hills at all mm-hmm. I was trying to work out why I felt a bit out of sorts and I realized it's because I hadn't had a whole day out in the hills for about two or three months and I was really missing that, you know, Uh so yeah. Tell us a time uh, that you've had a deep sense of joy in the great outdoors. Out of all the stories you have, <laughs> I know I'm trying to think, man. Well, I'll give you two. I'll give you just two little stories. Great, just great. one. One is small. One is big. But I mean, one. One. Um, we live up in Aberdeen, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. 
we were down by the river D one day, and um, I, there was some kind of dis- some quite I think a heavy disappointment in my life had gone on. I was feeling a bit down. Mm-hmm. I went down to the river, and I was just down down in the river, and suddenly, not one but two kingfishers came by, and it was literally I kid you not, it was in, within it was even less than a second. It was so yeah. quick, and um, but one then two just went fizzing by, and I just it was just such a great moment, you know, because it was mm-hmm. such a gift. Because mm-hmm. the thing about a kingfisher is it brings out the joy in you because mm-hmm. there's nowhere you can go, you can see a kingfisher go by and not go, wow! <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. It just pulls it out of you. And it was just such a great moment. The other time is when I was climbing with my lady love last summer. Cause one of the great joys of climbing is climbing with my girlfriend of 32 years and 15 days. <laughs> and... Yeah. Um, and just summiting with, you know, we've had a couple of great summits, um, but one particular one, oh, we've had three or four, it's just been amazing this summer and mm. one last summer uh, where we were just, you come around a ridge and then suddenly they were all there. It was like all the Kulins, all the Toydon uh-huh. Mountains uh-huh. or all the mountains around Kulak. We've had three, we've had four summits this year where you couldn't really see the whole view until you got to yeah. the top. And then it was just like, bang, you know, and... Being able to share that with the love of your life is just yeah. awesome. Really. Yeah. Um, so, I bet. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us even more from your experiences out and about some helper, uh, some helpful ways in trying to appreciate and aid the world we live in and the creatures we share it with? Sure, Kevin. That's a great question, actually. Um, so I think there's four or five things, right, guys, that we can um, that we need to kind of take with us into the world um, that nature can really. T- I think the, the key principle, to be honest, is that we are stewards of nature. We're responsible for it. Um, mm-hmm. We, by our actions or by our inactions, can really spoil nature. And um, from a Christian perspective, you know, we human beings are responsible to God for what we do with the world, really. Um, so I think it's a it's it's a sacred trust, um, and I think one of the one of the other guys I would have loved to have gone back to meet and hang out with would be John yeah. Muir, yeah. Uh, who kind of started the national parks in the states and loved Yosemite, really opened up Yosemite, and he had this great love mm-hmm. for nature, the sacred trust, mm-hmm. and so I think that's the first thing: seeing seeing nature as a real stewardship, the way I was responsible for it, and so secondly. It's that sense of really noticing it. It's slowing down enough. Uh-huh. So not consuming nature like it is a consumable or like it's there for our entertainment or it's something, a commodity that we use, but yeah. rather it's something that we enter into. So we really notice what is there. We're not we're not just kind of running around and then running home again. We're actually taking time to see what is there and to be respectful of it. So yeah. I think it is that sense. I remember it hit me... It hit me um, yeah, a year passed in July. I was up climbing on my own up at Slioch, which is above Loch Marine. It was a really cloudy day. I was on my own. Mm-hmm. I was far from anywhere. It was a real slug. And it really hit me that I I was on... This, the mountain suddenly became almost like a living being. It became... I thought, yeah. whoa, I get why the ancient people used to worship mountains, you know? Absolutely. Because you needed yeah. to really pay respect to what is there and to really to really notice it. And I think mm-hmm. that'd be the second thing is we are in, we have a trust to be responsible towards nature, but the flip side of it is we have to be really respectful of it, and uh-huh. and to really notice and to treasure what is there. And I think that is something if we can, 
if we can hold on to those two sides of that coin, um, I think we would just be blown away by how much of a wonderful world we live in. Yeah, that's that's great. Uh, joy is being present in the moment. What oh, helps you uh, be present in the moment and not taken away by the past or future? Thanks, Kelvin. That's a really great question. Um, a lot of us, I myself at times, have lived either in your memory or in anticipation, you know? Mm-hmm. And I read a great phrase recently that it's not like that. Like Time is not like an arc that goes always in motion, you know? But right yeah. now, where we are right now, Kelvin sitting, but he's sitting, me sitting where I'm sitting, mm-hmm. it's like a dot. It's like the dot on the sat-nav, you know? Mm-hmm. So the present operates like a dot, like a deep dot. Mm-hmm. And for me, for all of us to really treasure the deep dot that we are in each day. And I do something at the end of a day called the examine, which is uh, kind of an ancient Jesuit practice, looking back on the day and trying to see before I go to sleep at night, you know, what were the things that went well that day, what didn't go so well, where, mm-hmm. where were the traces of God in that day? Mm-hmm. What was the time of blessing? What was the time of challenge? And I think it's, it's being able to close each day off as before you just go into sleep and run away with yourself into the next day, you know, it is, it to, either that day, either that night or the following morning to take time to refresh the day and, and really start to mm-hmm. see things in ways that you might not have picked on as you went through the day, as you were moving quickly but to kind of slow back on the slow replay. So the examine is a really great way, discipline, of reflecting on a day and being present to it. And I think the mm-hmm. second thing, just briefly, and they are kind of running out of time, um, is is actually to notice your surroundings. Um, I think mm-hmm. I live in my head a lot. I'm a minister, so a lot of, I'm just thinking about stuff all the time. It's yeah. crazy, you know? And so I need to get out of my head sometimes and just stop and notice it doesn't have to be in nature, it could just be wherever you're sitting mm-hmm. in your room. Mm-hmm. It's actually take stock of your surroundings and look at something and notice it and say, okay, you know, what's going on with this? And wow, what a cool, I love the way the sunlight's playing on that vase, you know what I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah well, what a cool cover of that book or whatever. Or what a cool painting by Alice Dubuul, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. And a uh, uh, little plug there. And, yeah, um, uh, you know, so it's taking notice of getting out of your head and take a notice of your surroundings, where you are at that given moment in time, because you cannot enjoy life apart from where you are right at that moment. However mm. you're feeling, because you may be feeling really rubbish, you know, yeah. um, but it's being able to own that and say, this is where I am right now. I will change, but this is where I am yeah. right now. So just those two things, take time to examine, call the examine, reflect on the day that you've been through each day, either that night or the next morning, look back on the day before. And the second thing is to stop now and again and just say, where am I? Yeah. And look around you. Those are super wise things. I love that. Thanks so much for all this chat. It's been so good. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Well, I've learned a lot from your questions, Calvin. And uh, yeah, Yeah. we must be for coffee sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anywhere uh, people can, I guess, hear hear your chat? uh, Can find you, get in touch? Yeah, sure. So I have. I have a blog that comes out every week on a Friday, usually Friday morning. Um, mm-hmm. It's stillpointface.blogspot.com. Mm-hmm. Stillpointface, if you dig out 
blogspot.com. And I've also do a, a Facebook Live version of that um, on my church Facebook page, which is every Friday morning around about 10 o'clock, just over five minutes. Mm. And uh, it's St. James Bishop Briggs, Facebook St. James Bishop Briggs, it'll pop up and you get a five yeah. minute spot for me every Friday morning around 10 o'clock, little thought for Amazing. the day. That's great. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. Thanks for having me. That was really good. I'll tell you what, I really like that. I, I just love nature tat, to be honest. Monroes, hikes, uh, getting outdoors, mountain biking, you name it. I just love that. And for the chance to explore that with joy is awesome. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 I have a tendency of saying awesome too much. So I've been told off. <laughs> so I, I'm i going to try say it less. I'll say it less. But yeah, that was a great week. I loved what Paul had to say. If you have something you want to share, you can always um, message me on Instagram at uh, grasping joy, but you don't need to. You can message. You can message anyone you want. Uh, you can chat to your family about it, your friends, you name it, because happiness is uh, only real when shared, as Chris McCandless said. So next week we have William Gibson of the Space Between, talking about deconstruction and joy. Uh, here's a wee snippet of next week. Take it easy, everyone. Bye bye. It took a while for me to get to this stage, like during deconstruction, where I was actually able to sit down with paper and pen and write in a journal, what would it mean if I just didn't believe in God anymore? What would it mean if all that I've been taught was totally wrong? And that was the start of really beginning to discover joy.